And the church said? Amen. amen and amen. It's good to see you today. It's always good to be here. Um, if you look around and you see some spaces out there, it's probably because I think we had about, well, there's a couple of things going on. Number one is the flu is going around. We know it's that season. So we pray for all of those. In fact, one of the, our families here, I think the Hill family, their entire family got the flu in one week. And um, so if you haven't got that yet, we pray that you don't. Um, if you're feeling bad, get to the doctor because that's the right thing to do, but call on the Lord because He is the great physician. Amen? So we pray for you and your families if some of you are going through that. Also, we want to um, mention um, that we have a ton of young people and not-so-young people down in Dallas this weekend for Winterfest. Uh, that thing seems to grow and grow and grow, and, and now there's more and more people that are going. So um, they sent us a little text this morning and, and showed us they're worshiping God down there with uh, fellow Christians, and we're so thankful for that. So we pray for their safe return uh, this evening, or this afternoon, I think it is, and we'll go kind of from there. Um, we, we, um, of course, we had a funeral here yesterday with, for the, um, um, the Capels family, Debbie, our sweet sister, and we didn't put the platform back, so I'm a little bit shorter today. <clears throat> That's supposed to be funny, but I don't know we got that one. <laughs> but, all right, let's get started this morning, Amen. All right, uh, this, was a, this is a good one about a, a rich man. A rich man um, was going to give his mother a birthday present, a birthday present to pass all birthday presents. You know, if you got all kinds of money, maybe you could do that, and he wanted to do that for his mother and to present her with something that she had never received before and she would just be delighted with. He thought, he thought, looked around, couldn't find anything, and finally he saw online this bird that he could buy. This particular bird that had a vocabulary of 4,000 words and could actually speak in different languages. And so he was really excited about that and actually could even sing songs. And he thought, man, this is the perfect gift. And so being rich, he paid $50,000 for this bird. Had it sent over to her and he was really excited to hear from her. So he phoned her the next day and said, Mom, did you get the bird? And she said, yes, I sure did. He said, well, what do you think about it? And she said, it was delicious. <laughs> I, I believe sometimes, actually, that we do a couple of things here, even in our Christian walk. I think, <laughs> I think what we do is we gobble up the word, or so, so we think, and then we miss exactly what it is that God wants us to have through the Word. You see, just reading the Word isn't just, is just one part of that. Just don't be hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word, James tells us. But in that process, we, we struggle with that. Because sometimes what we think is we can just read a few verses or a few chapters, and we're good to go, and we know it. But then we don't really apply it, and if we don't apply the Word of God, then we can't receive the blessing that's in the Word of God. And so I want to kind of address that, if you will, over the next couple of weeks, if we can. And we all know that the Word is more than just a, a valuable set of directions for our life, and it is a valuable directions for our life. Give me an amen. But in that process, we also know that it is a light that guides us. It's this light that takes us, and God says He wants to be that light for us to get us safely to the next step in our journey with Him. And I think that's important. 
And as a flashlight is used to allow one to see in the dark, God's Word is used to see uh, as well in our spiritual walk with Him. Now, a flashlight is useful only if it is and does, is turned on and has their batteries charged. Anybody ever go to the to that drawer that you have at home, and you pull out that flashlight. You haven't used it in a long time. Anyone pull out a flashlight, and you flip it on, and all of a sudden, it just goes... There's not much. Anybody besides me? So you can have a $50 flashlight, or one of those ones that can you can see 85 nautical miles, but nonetheless, when you see one of those, you can have that special one, but if you don't have the right batteries, if you don't have the batteries charged... It's just a pretty little, I don't know what it is. It's just the housing of that particular. The power of God must be turned on in our lives for it to work. And the power of God is released as as we receive the power through the power of the Holy Spirit, but it charges us, and then we have to somehow make sure that we get that turned on during the week, not just on Sunday mornings when we can say, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah. That's really good, and our light is shining, and we're praising God, and we're worshiping God together. But it is that God would have us, when we leave this building, is that we shine for Him. And the world sees how dim we are or how bright we are. All right? So this is important, I think, as we make this journey together. Now, many Christians have heard them, but not every Christian applies them. Now, there are the Beatitudes found in Matthew. uh, The scripture there teaches us Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It really talks of this Jesus himself imparting these words to his people. But he imparts them to us as well. And so in this, we apply them. But remember, the word of God is a light unto our path. It is something that God wants us to have. So when you read God's Word, ask yourself, don't tell yourself, I've read God's Word and I'm good to go. Ask yourself, how does that connect with me? How is it that I can take what I've read today and apply it to my life to receive what it is that God would have me receive in my life? So let's take a look and see how many of these we, we know. In Matthew chapter 5, as you look down through there, you know these quite well if you've been to church or have been around the Bible much. Uh, I suppose you know most of these. Blessed, is, uh, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now each one of those connects to something. Each one of those are a blessing. God guarantees you. God says there's a blessing in these particulars. And so if we get these particulars in our right, we get blessing. Who likes blessings? Give me an amen. Amen. Who likes blessings from God? Give me a double amen. amen. Amen is right. Now, I don't want you to think that I know all, of, all about this because I don't because I'm still studying. And every time I study it, I find something else. And that's the beauty of God's Word. It never gets dull. We might make it dull, but God's Word is never dull. Amen? All right. So it's not that I have all the answers for these things, but I do believe these things. And there's the difference. I'm kind of like um, Albert Einstein's wife. She was asked once, do you understand the theory of relativity? She answered quickly and said, of course I do not. But I know Albert and he can be trusted. I may not know everything and understand everything in this book, the Bible, but I know 
I know that I know that I know God can be trusted. Amen? And so there's where it comes from. So you're having that open mind to receive what God would have you to have in this life. I think it's important. So here's a few things that I think that can keep us moving forward in the right direction since we're on the, in January of 2020. It's hard to believe, isn't it? I remember Don and I sitting in high school in 1976, looked, peering out the window in a little place called Eubank, Kentucky, and we would use certain dates. Can you imagine what it's going to be like in 1995? Anybody ever do that? And you were like, wow. And now we're saying 2020 and we're here? It's amazing, isn't it? Time flies, doesn't it? These little babies, I saw Vivian there a little bit ago, and these little babies will soon grow up, and they'll soon go to kindergarten, and they'll soon go to high school, and they'll soon go to college, they'll soon get married, they'll soon have children, and we'll soon be gone. It's the cycle, isn't it? All right, let's see what we can learn in the meantime before we get out of here. How's that sound? All right, very good. Here we go. Number one would be blessed are the poor in spirit. When you look at this one, you, you have to capture, I think, what it is or how it is that God is applying this to our lives. I would suggest to you today the one thing that I think God is trying to get across to us here is blessed are the poor in spirit or spiritual bank- bankruptcy is a must in your life. You say, how's that for starters? spiritual bankruptcy is a must for your life? I say that, yes, because if you want to be, if you want to be happy, you want to find blessing, and you do, give me an amen. All right, if you want to find those things, you want to be fulfilled in life, you need to become poor in your spirit. So how does one become poor in their spirit but still receive blessings from God? I think that's a good question. What he is saying here, happy is the person, fulfilled is the person, blessed is the person who knows he is spiritually busted. What does that mean? I wrote it like this. You don't become spiritual with the big S without God. You might think you do, and many do. In fact, some claim that they become spiritual by what they do. And that even as the, the, that was the philosophy of the Pharisees in which we know Jesus himself addressed that. He called them hypocrites. Because everything that they were doing was to say to all the people, I've got it all right. I'm spiritual. And you can't be. Because they kept pointing fingers. So in this process, it is either selfish or self about me or it's about God in your life. And when you understand this spiritual, this this blessing that comes through being poor in spirit, you realize, when you come to realize that, you are the only the case that houses the battery that charges or that sends out the light into the world. We are only the case. You're not the batteries. You house that within you, you and I do, of what God offers for us. When you look at yourself compared to God, it's important to understand a couple of things. You have to understand where you're at on the level of God, but you have to understand what God thinks of you. You hear me all the time talk about what God thinks of you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? You are a child of God. Amen? You are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. 
which is powerful. But you have to remember this, God doesn't look up. Meaning, you have to remember your place in all of these things, and in your spirit, you have to do that as well. You have to remember that God is in control. Compared to Him, you're not in the ballpark. But praise Jesus, He puts you on His team, the winning team. Amen? Amen. Now, when you compare yourself to who He is, and what He is, and how powerful He is, you realize, as Isaiah did in chapter 6, I'm busted. Notice what he says there in Isaiah 6, verse 5, Woe to me, I cried, I cried, I am ruined. I'm nothing. In fact, in Isaiah 64, he says, I am nothing more than filthy rags before the Lord. I am nothing without Him. Compared to Him, I am nothing more than filthy rags. The filthy rags is, is toilet paper that's been used in comparison. But because of what Jesus has done for us, then now He fills us with His Spirit and He gives us that title as His children. Amen? Jesus is saying when you get this smart like Isaiah was, then you will find the blessings that you're longing for. So in number one is to drop the pride. Pride is the thing that keeps us at a distance from God. Always has and always will. All through scripture you find it and all through history you find it that pride gets in the way. Teresel, I think, shared in a class a few weeks ago about her sons when they were growing up and she remembers that they sang this old Mac Davis song, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble. When you're perfect in every way. And I can't wait to look in the mirror. I get better looking each day. Right? And then, it, then the vein even comes. <laughs> to know me is to love me. And we won't go any further than that. And we kind of laugh at that. And we know that it's just a song. But surely that's what we are sometimes. We are these prideful people. Woody Watkins said it like this. He says, only my great humility keeps me from telling you how wonderful I really am. <laughs> what keeps you and what keeps you from humility? Are you truly humble before God? Do you respect God enough in your life to be humble? Now, there's a difference here, and some people think that humble means that I have to walk around and I have to cower before... No. It means you really know your place. Your place isn't the throne. Your place is on the lap of the one that sits on the throne. Big difference. And isn't it wonderful that He calls us His children? We need to learn... Pride, James chapter 4, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Grace in your life comes when you are humbled. No one can come to God except through Jesus Christ and you can't get to Jesus without being humble before Him. Pride goes before destruction, Proverbs 16 says. Someone once said that pride is the overcoat of, or hard covering of the soul. And it is. We have to leave that overcoat off. We have to come as we are, there before God and say, here I am, it's not about me, it's all about you, God. 
And when I get to that point where I can take that all off and say, it's all about you, God, it's not about me. For without you, I am nothing. But with you, I am your child. It should humble us in a powerful way. Discover and admit who you are compared to who he is, and you will find the blessings that he promises you will. Try to be God with the little g, and your life will be miserable, and others will notice it as well. Some that just might sit in a class, and here's a prime example, and it'll be about me. Some that might sit in a class and simply say, they can't teach me anything, I already know that. I'm not going to Bible class because I already know that stuff. In fact, I ought to be the one teaching it. And then through that process, they've already failed this first step because of the pride within them. Break the pride and know God. Keep the pride and misery will be yours. Why do I say that? I share that. I share that because when I was a youth minister down in Texas about 30 years ago, actually, and when I was there... Um, the, for a while, the minister had left, taken another church, and so I was filling in both roles. I was doing the youth minister's position and the preaching aspect of it, and I thought I was pretty good. And you've heard the term, you get too big for your britches, and you know what happens when that happens. Daddy usually shows up with a paddle at my house. Well, so we, we hired this preacher, and he was a wonderful guy, and, but I didn't like him. And the reason why I didn't like him wasn't because of him, it was because of me. And in that process, what happened is he's the only man that I ever met, only person I ever met, that had a photographic memory. I only, in the time that I worked with him, only remember one time that he could not recall something. And it was a look on his face that was absolutely like, I, cannot re- I, I can't believe I can't remember this. And he went on, and about 20 seconds, it came right back, and he never missed a beat. But you see what my problem was? As I said in the pew, instead of listening to God's word and how God was speaking to my spirit, all I could do is judge him, which was, well, this guy's pretty good, but he ain't as good as me. Well, this guy's pretty good, but he used that verse, I'd have used this verse, or I'd have used this story and this illustration, that was, that's what I'd do. And all of those things, I kept doing that, week after week after week. And let me tell you, God will let you run in your pride. He will let you run in your pride. But let me tell you what God will do. He will jerk a knot in your tail real quick. And one Sunday, I remember sitting there, and I was close to where he was speaking, And God hit me hard, and I realized what I had done, and I began to weep, and I couldn't stop. I did everything to try to stop from crying. I was clearing my throat. I was trying to think of the Dallas Cowboys losing again, and I was thinking of everything, and I just couldn't get past it, and God broke me, and I repented. But I had also sinned against this man. And I went to his office the next day and I told him, I said, man, this is, this is just the truth right here. I have just failed God and I failed you. He said, we've all been there. We've all done that. He was a gracious, humble man. I asked him to forgive me. We prayed together. And from that point on, we had a great relationship and still do today. And I respect him highly and he's taught me much. 
But God has to correct us in those areas of our lives. You can be humble. You can humble yourself. Or God can humble you. And trust me, humbling yourself, it's a lot easier. But God loves you. And remember, you can run in your pride. But he's going to stop you at some point. And the sooner we learn that as Christians... Check our pride. Am I prideful in the midst of this? Am I using that to glorify God? Am I really humbling myself to receive the blessing that God says I can have? Because in that process, He wants for me great blessings. I believe the, the morning here that He talks about in this second one, And I want to just address that one briefly this morning as well. I think I want to come back to it maybe perhaps even next week. But blessed are those who mourn. Now, yesterday we mourned with the Capels family and the passing of Debbie. And tomorrow and even today we mourn with the Schurler family. Teresa's daughter and and Doug and Stan's sister passed away. and funeral will be tomorrow down in Walters. and, And so we mourn and... That's part of what we do, but all humans do that. Not just Christians, because non-Christians love people too. And people mourn. And perhaps he's talking about blessed are those who mourn, but in this one I would say he's talking more personal relationship that I have with God. Maybe you haven't seen it that way, and maybe it's just something that was, will help you. But weeping over your sin will bring you blessing. Weeping over your sin will bring you blessing. No matter what your age or no matter where you're at in your life. And I believe that the mourning here is over the fact in that number one, the poor in spirit has sunk in. And you realize it's your sin that got you in the mess that you're in. And it's only God that can get you out. You realize that you're in quicksand. And you realize that you're not ashamed to cry for help. Because if help doesn't come, you are lost. But you realize your help comes from the Lord, as David said. It causes you to mourn over just how ugly you are and have been in the light of His goodness. However, many Christians realize that at their birth, they realize that at their birth, baptism like we saw today. And then they fail ever to connect with it again in life. And I find that amazing. I asked my class a few weeks ago on Wednesday night, when is the last time you repented? Can I ask you that today? When is the last time you repented? I mean, truly repented. And not just that cover prayer, God, forgive me of all my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go. Over something you know, that you've been a part of or have done or said and that you've repented about it. They somehow have come to believe that many have come to believe that they no longer sin or if they do, it's not a real big deal. Really. Listen, sin is the ugliest thing that a Christian does in the eyes of God. I'll say that again. Sin is the ugliest thing that a Christian does in the eyes of God. Like your children when they disobey you. Parents, grandparents, if your children disobey you, it hurts you, doesn't it? 
It's, you don't stop loving them. You'll never stop loving them, but it hurts you because of the disobedience in their life. You, knew they, you know that they knew what to do was right, but they chose to do something that was wrong, and it hurts you. They don't understand that. But they come to understand that, and we come to understand that when we grow up and we become adults, and then we have children, and we see, and we say, man, our parents were brilliant. And I hate that I hurt my parents so much. You see, a non-Christian sins because it's their nature to do so, and it never surprises God. It doesn't surprise God that the world sins. But it hurts God when His children sin. We have to be cautious of those things. When the, Christians, uh, when the, the Christian, when I as a Christian, a child of God, when I sin, it should, it, it should sicken me. Now, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We don't do things we should do and have done things we shouldn't do. But I'm talking about choosing to live in it. It should make us sick. We should pray that God would cause us to move within our spirit in such a way that it does make me sick. Because then I know my relationship with God is healthy. You ever have a child come to you? And you didn't know they were doing something. You never even thought they were doing something. And they came to you and they confessed that to you. How does that make you feel? It, it hurts you because of what they may have done. But it gladdens your heart. Because they were willing to share that with you. And come forward with the truth. That's what God wants from his children. It should hurt us. I mentioned this in the class as well, but briefly let me share it. When my wife and I stood before the Lord and our family and friends in 1976 and said, I do, we became one, Scripture says. Now, over those 43 plus years, my wife and I have said things or done things like in all marriages that weren't just right. Anybody else? And in that process, this is the, there's two avenues here. You can simply fluff it off and say, so what? She did it to me. Or you can go to her and ask for forgiveness. Because you've become one. It should hurt you. When you leave the house and you know you've said something that's not right, you should not carry that around all day. You shouldn't go around and it should hurt you. And when you take a relationship with God, you shouldn't take it lightly when you sin and you know you're in sin. You should repent of that sin because God is a faithful God and He will forgive. Give me an amen. Marriages often can be saved, often. I know there's situations. I understand that. But marriage, marriages can often be saved if you'll drop the pride and just ask for forgiveness and weep over your sin. When Peter discovered this in Matthew chapter 26, we know what happened. Remember what he told Jesus? Oh, they'll sin against you, but not me, not me. I'll never deny you, Lord. Not me, not me, not me. Maybe them. And Jesus looked at him and said, what? 
Not once, not twice, but three times you're going to do it. And when he did do it, the only thing Peter could do was, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. It's no big deal. The scripture tells us plainly what Peter did. He wept bitterly. He was convicted in his spirit of what he had done to the Lord. Your tears, write it down, your tears can be the loudest words that you say and the most serious ones. You know, when a loved one does pass and you shed those tears, sometimes you don't have to say a word, you just know what's being said, don't you? Tears speak volumes. Fake tears mean nothing to God. When you do, you know what happens in the process? When you weep, you know what happens? When you weep over your sin or, or with my wife and I have to apologize and, and ask for forgiveness, do you know what has happened? You know what happens? Forgiveness comes. Comfort comes. And that's what you want, isn't it? Would you rather have comfort from God and forgiveness from God or guilt? Hello? And God says you choose which one you get. So let us remember that as we go through this. We all know that stubbornness of heart gets us in trouble. It does. Anybody stubborn here? Somebody poke somebody next to you. Someone has said that, listen to this one. I like this one. He said, someone has said that people repent on Sunday for what they did on Saturday and plan to do on Monday. In God's eyes, that's a hypocritical attitude. And because this building we come into, it's not the holiest of holy places. It's the place where we come and worship God, yes, but when we leave this place, we are to worship Him in all that we do. Amen? I read of a story of an old man who was called on to pray at church. And every time he got up to pray, he would always say the same thing, Lord, clean out the cobwebs out of my life. That's a strange one, isn't it? Lord, clean the cobwebs out of my life. He would say it over and over again every time he's called on to pray. One of the guys in the church got fed up with that. And so when the old man was called up to pray again, he said, Lord, clean out the cobwebs out of my life. That old man jumped up and he simply said, Lord, kill the spider. (laughs) Sometimes we have to ask God to kill the spider. God is calling for more than a few cobwebs to be cleaned out of our souls. He is calling us to kill that spider. The sooner you weep, the sooner the comfort comes from God. The sooner you repent, the sooner the forgiveness comes from God. Blessed are those who mourn. I'm going to end right there. I just want to say a couple of things as I close. I'll pick up there next week. Thanks. When's the last time you took a, a check of your spiritual walk with God? Honestly, just you and God. No one else, not your mate, not your friends, not your mom, not your dad. You. 
You did just a spiritual check of your life. No one's perfect. No one's claiming to be perfect. And and I'm not saying that. But when is the last time you did that? And is there something in there that you know that you need to get rid of? You need to take it out of the closet. You need to open the box. You need to say simply, here it is, God. I've been hiding it too long in my own life. And I'm willing today and I'm ready today to just give it to you. I'm ready to just pour it out to you because I know that if I do, your promise is true. Blessing will come to my life. I humble myself before you, Lord. And I hurt because of the sin that I have in my life that I haven't given to you. One of the major things for churches that do not grow is pews. And the people that sit in those pews fail to repent. I want you to just bow your heads for just a moment. I just want you to think of just you. It's different. You know, the custom is always, it seems, as churches of Christ, it's always been in my life, is that, well, let us stand and sing and we just move on. I just want to give you just a minute to visit with God. Without interruption of song and without interruption of something else, of just say, God, here I am, and you know everything about me, and you know, and you fill in the blank. Let's just take a minute and spend with God, then I'll be back to finish the prayer. Lord, I hate to interrupt anyone that might be visiting with you, but I'm so thankful that you never get interrupted. Our hearts are poured out to you, Father. We are your children. We are truly blessed. But may we understand, Father, that there's more blessings that are available to us. Help us to understand, Father, and always, always never forget, never forget these beatitudes, this poor in spirit that we... We're busted without you. Father, we're we're nothing without you. Father, certainly help us to know that in this process, we we need to repent of our sins. We need to make sure that we're right with you, Father. And it's not that you've cast us away, and it's not that we're not your children, it's not that we won't have an inheritance with you. No, let us not be fearful of those, but help us to just walk with you, Father so that we might receive the blessings. Thank you for opportunity of another day to do that. Just help us to be mindful of that as we go throughout our work work week and the things that go about around us, Father. Help us just to remember that without you I have nothing and that when I'm wrong, convict my spirit and help me to repent. Help me to say, Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry I hurt you. It's like I would tell my wife, Oh, sweetheart, I'm so sorry I hurt your feelings.
I'm so sorry. And thank you for the goodness that comes through that, Father. Your power. Perhaps, Father, someone is here today and I just pray that you touch their spirit right now. And all of us that have been praying, thinking about ourselves and you, and maybe someone needs to come forward today and even have more prayers. And maybe someone today is like Mary today and they'd like to receive you as Lord and Savior of their life. Whatever that call is, Father, I just pray that you impress on their spirit and they don't, they don't deny it, they don't reject it. And thank you, Father, for being our master and our king and our redeemer. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Whatever your need is this morning, you come as we do stand and sing.